0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Streetwise Theology Out of the Ivory Tower and back into the hands of the Invisible Church
1: Welcome to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. Today with me I have my dad, Joel Saint, who is the Executive Director of the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society, also with me today, I have Godfrey Chiazi, who is the CEO uh, of an African ministry called the Master's Institute for Education, which he seeks to uh, affect the people of Uganda for uh, for the Lord in such a way by offering to them a comprehensive biblical worldview, something that we desperately need, also need here in America. Godfrey, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell
2: us about yourself. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Luke and uh, Joel. It's glad, it, It's a pleasure for me to be here. Uh, my name, like you've heard, is Godfrey Chazé. The ministry I work with is called Master's Institute for Education. And what basically we are doing is to try to see that we uh, redeem Africa through education, to bring true, authentic Christian education. Because we feel that if Africa is to be transformed, it definitely like anywhere else in the world definitely needs the mind of Christ yes and there's nowhere else people can get to know this mind of Christ except through education okay so we are trying to bring a biblical worldview in every aspect of education on the continent
1: okay all right and and how many other schools do you feel like are out there in Uganda doing that are you guys the only one you get you feel like you're the only guys out there trying to do that
2: I wouldn't say we are the only ones there if you walk on the continent Uganda that's where I come from Mm -hmm. it's a common thing today to hear of schools being called Christian schools even a few universities I can name which are called Christian universities Uh, but the the challenge we still have I think as a continent at large is uh, a Christianity that we can talk about on Sunday when we come to church yes but when we go Monday through to Friday everything we do even in education, you find a Christian school, but it's nothing reflected in the curriculum.
1: Okay, all right. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my dad pretty much run this interview since Dad knows a little bit more about Godfrey and his ministry. But I, I mean, I, as uh, as an American, um, you know, th- this question, I think a lot of us want to know. A lot of Americans want to know this mm-hmm. because we now. I, I know that you're not an expert in all things African. You're an expert on pretty much on Uganda, but. Mm-hmm. Um, we dump a lot of money into Africa. Uh, we, we pour millions and millions of dollars every year. There's some sort of fundraiser. Every time there's a disaster, there's Americans pouring money and money and money. Yep. Um, I remember uh, listening to Bojidar Marinov's uh, podcast about how much money people, the Americans give, specifically, mm-hmm to missions, and, you know, we're always looking at the African aid, you know, the, the AIDS crisis. we looking at money, money, money. We throw so much money into Africa. Mm-hmm. Now, you living there, how, how much do you see any of the money that we throw at Africa come to you? Do you see any of the, uh, like in Uganda, do you see any of the, you know, the food that we send over there, the toys that we send, the shoeboxes or whatever? I mean, do you see any sort of presence of all this, any of the American people sending money to you? I, I, I,
2: the... I would say there is some presence. There's a presence, definitely. Uh, most of the programs that receive money, especially in the Christian circles, would be orphanages. Okay. Because Uganda in particular, for the last 30 years, there were wars. There was in in the country that Killed lots of people. Mm -hmm. And so there are many children in that time who had no parents. And so there was a crisis. The orphan crisis was huge in the country. And a few years thereafter, that's from the 80s, a few years thereafter, the HIV AIDS epidemic also hit hard the country. So because of those two incidences, often ministry kind of picked up a lot, okay. so there were many orphanages that were started, okay. and it's because of that that there are many Americans who'd come in as missionaries to start orphanages and then to bring in money to help these orphans, give them education, give them food, give them clothes and shelter and things of that kind, and medicine. And I don't want to say that that wasn't helpful, it really helped a lot of young people who could not have had an opportunity to go through school to do that, to go to school. Okay. But personally, when I look back now, 30 years and coming to 35 years, yeah. I think as a church, as a body of Christ, we need to possibly rethink some of these ministries. Okay. Because, yes, they often, there was a need, there was a crisis 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. But right now, all these orphans are grown up. They are mm-hmm. grown up people, my age mates. And they have started families and all of that. But sometimes Christians, if you are not careful... When we come in to help, especially when you find somebody who is grown up in an orphanage, if they have not been helped to think of how can they begin to live independently and possibly even themselves begin to look at how can I become the one now to look out for those who I need that I can help them. Mm -hmm. It's very possible for somebody who grew up in such circumstances where everything is given to them, education is given to them, food is given to them, clothes and everything. It's possible for them to grow up thinking, okay, this is how life is. Uh, They are grown up, they have a family, but they still expect somebody else to come in and help them. So, uh, and as well, Uganda in particular, we've not had a major war for the last 30 years. mm -hmm. HIV AIDS, yes, is still raging, but there's been a great improvement. Meaning, right now, the church needs to rethink, to see what's the best way to effectively advance the gospel in these countries. Okay, Dad, I know you had some questions for Godfrey, go ahead.
3: Yeah, sure enough, Um, Godfrey, um, I I wanna speak from an American perspective here for a second. You know, oftentimes when we look, you know, from our vantage point in America, if you will, we look across at Africa, and africa just looks like a just like it'll be a constant uh shall we say receiver of goods mm-hmm. unable to uh unable to produce and yet we know that um the most um uh, natural resource rich continent of the seven is definitely africa mm-hmm. in terms of uh growing seasons in some area certainly in in terms of of precious metals yep and yet we look and we see, and we see the dictatorships uh, since colonialism, if you will. Mm-hmm. We see Kaunda, who was like a you know, dictator there in Zambia for, I don't know, 30 plus years. We see Samora more Um Macau. We, we see of oh, John Doe there in uh, Liberia. Um, but I was, you know, I was just reading from Acts, you know, and, and when, when in, in Acts 2, where we see the uh, beginning of the move of the Holy Spirit there, we see all kinds of people that heard, heard Peter preach. Mm-hmm. And, and um, some of them are from Europe and and, and the, the text actually makes no distinction at all between Europe really and, and Africa. and it talks about um, Egypt, it talks about Libya and so forth, and yep. uh, Cyrene. Um, I know you have you have a vision for Africa that uh, one day, um, Uganda and broader Africa, you, you have a vision that one day Africa will be a, a Christianized continent. Mm-hmm. Productive, yep. and be able to help others rather than just being the the, the, the recipient of of help, yeah. of help all the time. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell me about your
2: your vision there, if you would, uh, Godfrey. Uh, yes, uh, Africa definitely. Like many people have always seen it, it's been it, it's been backward. It's still considered to be backward. It's third world. Uh, it's the poorest in terms of. Uh, most times it's rated the poorest and all of that. But like you've put it, when we come to look at what's wealth, natural resources, every country. Africa is not one country like most people get to think here. Uh, over fifty countries that make the continent of Africa, but every one of those countries has a mineral, a mineral in it. Many of most of who of which have not even been uh, uh, tapped yet. Wow. You would call it a virgin continent. Uh, In terms of size, Africa is the second largest continent. And uh, when you look at the population we have in Africa compared to the population in other parts of the world, Asia and even here, America, Africa is not yet populated like people want to portray that, you know what, it's because there are so many, that's why they are poor. No. On the contrary, actually, if I embrace the biblical worldview, I don't want to look at, population as one of the things that would cause poverty because when we look at resources as people get to think of resources in terms of natural resources the greatest resource i believe god created was human beings Oh, preach for the rest of the others the land the soil copper gold and what have you god kept creating them and he kept saying it was good it was good it was good but on after day six when he had created man it was very good oh my word so Preach. if we are to look at all of them as resources human resource was very good so if gold or oil or whatever it is is good mankind is very good
1: now i i, I want to say real quick yes that that concept that you brought up now i've heard you talk about this before dad that man is the ultimate resource you know, you're a foreigner to, to here in the United States, but I can promise you that concept that man is the ultimate resource is way more foreign than you could ever possibly be in this nation. That concept yep. is so far from people's minds yep. they cannot understand that. Sorry, I just want to say that. Continue, go ahead.
2: It's the same thing back home, because gold can be mere stones if it is not for man to apply his God given mind mm. to it. And for me, I see that literally in Africa, we have places where gold is and those people are worshipping it. Mm. No one is supposed to touch it. You can't do anything with it. Neither do they do anything with it. It's something they worship. It's like stones which are seated there. Every natural resource on the continent, one of the things that have made Africa be poor, we've worshipped every natural resource. The forests. We have huge forests. But those forests are considered to be kind of gods. People go there to worship them. You don't touch a tree. You don't do anything with it simply because it's a god there are particular trees actually where people go every time every now and then and they put their their money to a tree i mean talk about the water bodies we have got the rivers the one the longest river in the world uh we've got great lakes like lake victoria it is in uganda predominantly the second largest lake in the world and i think the world's lake with fresh water All of those, we have all those kinds of resources, but each of those resources, if I could mention any of them, traditionally now, most of our culture beliefs, there's a God attached to any of them, and they are literally being worshipped. Now, when we get in Scripture, God is jealousy. Every time you begin to worship the creatures, instead of worshipping Him, the Creator, there are consequences that come as a result of that and i believe so much that africa is one of the biggest things that are plaguing it it's a warped mindset a warped worldview and that can only be redeemed by bringing a biblical worldview a God-centered worldview that is going to help us as Africans to look at life in general, the resources God has given us, the human personnel God has given us, and everything around us to look at it through the lenses of the Creator who made them. Because I believe in John eight, thirty-two, thirty-one, thirty-two, he says, When we know the truth, that truth will bring us freedom. Amen.
3: Yeah. Um, and, and let, let's continue with that thought a little bit, too, because it's, again, it's just an odd thing to look at. How can such a rich continent be so poor? Yeah. But again, um, if, if the truth sets free, yes, then the, the lie will enslave. Uh-huh. And the lie that we're embracing now in the United States of America is that there's no God. So we're, there's no God to worship. There's no Christ to worship. Mm-hmm. And so we see the enslavement coming on us. You have more of a, shall we say, a history of enslavement yep. than, than than what we have here, mm-hmm. but we, we're, we're working on it. We, Godfrey, earlier in a conversation, we were talking about the history of America, that we have a a history of, of freedom here, which yeah. is getting a harder and harder word to define here in North America. True. What's what's freedom? Yeah. Liberty, forgotten concept. Yeah. But um, we were talking earlier about the fact that um, whenever someone in maybe Uganda, the, the mentality is that the only way to get ahead is to become a, a government bureaucrat and yeah. then you can squeeze the money out of everybody else. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the way to really get ahead is is to work for the state, but if you want to start a business, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you, you and you want to begin to serve your, love your neighbor through service to your neighbor, and maybe you'll get some wealth. Then sure enough, there's some kind of a of a bureaucrat there mm-hmm. to uh, to take your money away from you. Yep. Tell me, talk to us a little bit about how that that hurts yep. uh, development in in Uganda
2: in particular, perhaps in Africa in general again it's it, it's rooted in selfishness where um man looks at himself survivor for the fittest i want to to find myself success but not success for my neighbor there isn't that concept of loving my neighbor now how that plays out in among politicians or government is that Because all these other resources, people have no mind, have not thought critical about how do we tap from them and develop them and be creative, be innovative as individuals and set up uh, initiatives that are going to bring development, not just to me, but my family, my community and my nation. The only way people are now seeing that they can be successful is when you become, say, a bureaucrat, you'll be the one in charge of the resources and in charge of the people so you'll be able to tax the rest. And once you tax others, that means you are the one who is in control of the national treasury. So you are able to pick what you want at the expense of the rest of the population. That's the challenge I've seen, that if our governments in Africa discovered the potential, the human potential in the people we have and the resources which are there and invested unselfishly in developing this human capacity, freeing them to see that they are educated, they get true education that frees their mind, frees them to be able to be creative and innovative without restricting them. That's what would help the continent. But because we have not had this history of thinking critically, thinking creatively and all of that, We tend to think that the best way to run government and to run societies is what was handed to us by immediately after the colonial masters. You realize, if if I may back up a bit, you realize that uh, most of the African countries are celebrating about 50 years of independence. In the 60s, they were mostly colonized by uh, German, uh, Britain, uh, France, and all of that. And they began to attain independence in the 60s, late 50s, 59, and then uh, the 60s. Now, given that the colonialists were most of them from the West, so when we're attaining independence, most African countries had to fight for it. There was resistance the colon- no, colonial masters didn't want to let go and the africans were like we must take on our independence a concept they had learned from uh, the americans so that way because it was a struggle and most of the colonial masters were from the west so those who seemed to be on the side who allied with the African nationalists to fight independence was the Eastern Bloc. So as a result, when we read, some of us when read through most of our history books and all of that, the Russia, China, the Eastern Bloc, the leaders there were like the heroes because they wanted, they, were, they are the ones who supported the African nationalists to gain their independence. Mm-hmm. And because of that history, we have most of the people who have gone through our education system thinking like the East, it's thinking right. And so we have a majority of the people who think that way. The ideologies that come from that side are the ideologies that people, hail. That's if you want to appear educated, if you want to appear like you understand what you're talking about and what have you, speak this language of socialist language basically. Even in the church, the church hasn't thought any better. We think, yeah, this is the way to go. So that is still a little bit of a challenge because it becomes hard to convince somebody that the West could have had something good when most of the people from the West are the ones who had colonized us. So with all the evils that came with colonialism, everyone from the West has to be blamed. Tell us about how things have gone since colonialism, since so-called in- independence, yep. if
3: you will, from the uh, from from those uh, bad Western people. Of course, here in America, you know um, everything is just independence, shall we say, from the colonial masters, if you will. Yeah. Um, was such a bad thing, but now um, it's been fifty-year experiment. How how are things going?
2: Every my own country, 9th July, every 9th October, we celebrate our independence. It's our uh, 4th July. Okay. Ours is in 9th October. Okay. And uh, will be, it's about 50, 54 years now. But if you do the comparison, I think we have fought more wars. Ever, S- since, si- ever since we got independence than when we're being colonized. Uh, most of the things we can look up to as development in the country are the things they left behind. When you get to analyze, I, I, I it gets to look sometimes like, okay, we were under colonial masters from the West. Then they handed us independence. But there is a sense in which our people are still colonized by their own people. The difference may not be big. The difference is we just changed gods. Somebody else who had colonized us, but now we are being colonized by our own people. There's a sense of such kind of uh, things. Why, again, without, if if one is to see what is the cause of this, I, I tend to look at colonialism or colonial masters that there was a chance for the colonialists definitely to pave a better way. For these African countries before they could hand them independence if they looked at it like let's act like a parent let's act like a mother here who is going to nurture a child Uh, if there were things in which some of the African countries were still immature they were still younger there are things they hadn't yet uh, come to understand let's serve them as as uh, parents nurture them, help them to grow in the understanding of self-governance, help them to grow in the understanding of how to run an economy, all those kinds of things. And then we come to a point where we have matured ourselves as children, and then we are handed this independence as mature children. Because independence can't be... We're talking about self-governance. Self-governance is only something that can be handled by a mature child. But a child who has failed to mature... Even if you give them self-governance, they are going to abuse us. Mm-hmm. So I feel there was something there that lacked by the time we are handed independence. We are not mature enough to handle it. That's why we, we began fighting, just like babies who you hand a, a candy and they begin fighting for it because they were not prepared. So that's what has happened in most of the post-colonial African nations. But since we are celebrating 50 years, I think it's time for Africa to go over that, to say that, well, we cannot be here still blaming colonialists. 50 years, it's like a 50-year-old man saying that, yeah, I'm in the situation I'm in because my mother died or my father died, Uh, I'm an orphan. A 50-year-old orphan, I think it wouldn't make sense. (laughs) So we need to mature up and say, okay, there was this past which we, we went through. Right now, how can we pave a way for the future? How can we truly think independently and act as a mature, independent person should be?
1: Well, um, as as in America, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you that was fifty years ago. Yeah, but I can tell you, slavery was one hundred and fifty years ago around here, and people are still blaming their problems on yep. slavery around yep. here. So they can milk that they can milk that for another hundred years. They got at least another hundred years on that bad boy. Now you, from you, you've been saying. You you have been giving us um, something wonderful, what we like to call around here a comprehensive worldview, biblical yeah. worldview. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of Christians in this nation have a biblical worldview, but that's just between me and God. It's not a, a worldview that, that affects my neighbor. It's not a worldview that affects the government. It's not a worldview that affects culture. It's just a, it's a worldview. I interpret Christianity through my relationship with God, and everything else is left up to humanism. They're, mm-hmm. they're a bunch of Christian humanists, pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Um now how in the world did you come to these how, how who taught you this i mean wh- where did you get this this wonderful theology from how did you come to these conclusions
2: again it's the grace of god i i would say because in, even when i can explain how i came across all of this it it was the lord's providence mm-hmm. because i grew up my upbringing my i was raised by a single mother with mm-hmm. seven children she raised us roman catholic and uh, that's all we knew i remember as a child one of the things i admired i was like i think when i grow up i would love to be a reverend father yeah. uh, they were like my heroes mainly i think they are the other people i used to see who would drive cars okay. in, in the community so i was like <laughs> yeah i would want to be like them so we're raised roman catholic but by god's grace all of us, all my siblings and my mother, who is now 82, 81, are all believers. Mm-hmm. So we thank God for that. Now, in the process, I got through school, finished school. I did education. that My training was in education. I qualified as a secondary school teacher. And uh, by his grace, I kind of began to question my purpose for living? Why am I here? Mm. Why why is it that God created me? What is it that I'm meant to do in life? Because God got me to a place where I thought, yeah, there's nothing that is exists for just to exist there has to be a purpose and as a human being there should be a purpose there should definitely be a purpose why god has put me here so i was on that journey questioning and asking and praying through it that why is it that god created me so in his way he kept pointing me back to teacher you're a teacher you're a teacher something i did education not because i wanted it i didn't want it but here there were all kinds of indicators that I think God is calling me to be a teacher, but I didn't want it Mm -hmm. until I came up to this point where I had an opportunity to attend a training. It was a two-weeks training or workshop, if you would call it, on Mm -hmm. Mm worldviews, and it's the first time I hear about the concept of worldviews, and what I came out with in that conference was that if there is anything in life that can truly work, it must be based on biblical principles. Amen. Now, who threw this conference? uh Darrow Miller, Discipling Nations Alliance okay they have a they have a program where they would do these kinds of trainings in, in in a couple of african continents and it was called vision conferences okay they were meant for pastors actually okay i just stumbled into it i was brought in to come and volunteer to help out and i ended up attending the whole thing and that's the first time i hear about world views now when i walk out of that conference with this idea everything must be biblical that's when this whole education thing begins to come that okay if life is out to be looked at from a biblical perspective and that's the only way we can see freedom and deliverance in our societies how will people really get this biblical worldview, except if they are educated in it? Mm-hmm. We cannot expect people to have a biblical worldview in, in as far as the economy is concerned, in as far as politics, in as far as uh, uh, ways of how they can run families, in as far as media is concerned, except if they are educated that way. But here we have a school system that educates people, whether they are Christians or not Christians, from a humanistic perspective. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, because they are Christians, we expect them to act Christianly. I think it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. The only time they hear something that kind of is Christian is on Sunday on church. But as well, even the summons which are being preached, they are not integrated to look at all of life from a biblical perspective. So that's when God was beginning to put it on my heart that I think there is need to engage the world of academia. Okay. Because education all over the continent now, it's being looked at as a kind of a god. Every young woman, young man is fighting to make sure they attain an education. They go to school. They get qualified in something. Mm-hmm. So in other words, if you want to target, to target the population and to get everybody, get in an education. And as I started to study our education we discovered that actually in the beginning, formal education was not on the continent until when missionaries came. So it's missionaries who set it up, but at some point in time, they handed over their mission schools to the central governments, Mm -hmm. and the governments began to put in their humanistic ideas and humanistic worldview. So it's at that point that God put it on my heart, and other people, we started sharing with them that, we must, as believers, take back education.
1: Okay. Okay. One second. I got to ask Siri a question here. Yep. That that that's that's pretty much what RJ Rushdoony came came away with saying. Look, I mean, the Bible touches every sphere of life, so let's start addressing it.
3: Well, I th- I think um, I think what's going to happen with uh, Godfrey um, is maybe the same thing that happened to RJ Rushdoony, because well, the, the type of Christianity I hope not. Right. That is is in, in Africa, which some people say is a mile wide and an inch deep. What Godfrey's up against, as I understand Godfrey, you can speak to this, is prosperity theology and send us your money, we'll make you rich yeah. and, and, and have these special experiences which are all like me, me, God-centered, yeah. but are not uh, about loving your neighbor. Uh, if you could speak to that a little bit, Godfrey.
2: Yeah, that's huge. Uh, that population you've had, 37 point something million people, 85% of them profess to be Christians. mm mm-hmm. And when you, in the 60s, early 70s, it wasn't popular to be a Christian, somebody who is saved. But today, it's, it's the in thing, the way the young people put it. I mean, it's, it's popular to be a Christian. You go to churches on Sunday, they are filled up to capacity. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the question is what kind of Christianity? Yes. Which kind of doctrine is being passed on? Mm-hmm. Like he's put it, The prosperity gospel is predominant, uh, coming from a background of poverty, people being poor, and now being promised that, oh, here it is in Scripture. God wants you to be rich. God wants you to be healthy. Diseases have been the issues. Mm -hmm. Those things resonate with people. So as a result, such churches are filled up to capacity. They can't hear any other gospel so it is on the other hand you look at it and you're like well this is sad because people are believers because of what they can get from god if god has not done this and this from for me then I, I, there is no reason to be there. And what things, uh, when you look at the things which they are looking for, for God to do for them, are things like, I want God to give me a house, I want God to build, uh, to to get a big car from the Lord, I want God to do, all those kinds of materialistic yeah. life. And sadly, yes, we have a huge following of the church that is following that kind of gospel. Okay. So even education-wise, m- m- most of these Fifty-six percent of schools in Uganda are church-founded. Mm. Now that means you could say, "Yeah, most of the schools are church-founded." That should be easy, but again, which kind of church? Who are these Christians? Mm-hmm. They do not yet; they have not yet come to a place where they embrace a holistic worldview, even in the world of education or the world of academia. Mm-hmm. So they have started schools simply as one of the things that they can make some side income mm-hmm. from because schools are making money. So it's a huge challenge. It's true, that concept of a mile wide and an inch deep. And I feel as Master's Institute for Education, the ministry we are running, one of the things we feel we would love God to to be of use, to be available before the Lord, to see that he could, we could make a contribution on our continent, is to deepen that inch, to see that, yes... Eighty-five percent profess to be Christians, but the quality of that Christian, they want to see it improved. That people, their faith is expressed in everything they do. When they go to the gardens, they their faith is expressed in how they are practicing their gardening, how they are practicing their farming. Those who are working in the in banks, they should profess. Their faith has to be practiced. They have to begin questioning. What does bank? What does the Bible have? To say about banking, oh, about word. farming, about stuff. politics, and all those things. Because it says, every, it's, it says everything about all those hmm. disciplines. And that way is when we'll be able to handle our spheres from a holistic perspective. One of the huge challenges, you talk about economics, our economy, it, it should have had a chance to grow. Because, yes, there's the population and there are some bit of monies which are coming in and all of that. But we have all these ideologies, we believe, which we learned definitely from school, which are predominant. But when you get into scripture to analyze them, they are not biblical. And as a result, they are not right. So they will keep us in bondage. Things like resources are scarce. That's a huge economic assumption, Mm -hmm. which every economist must learn. Resources are scarce. Resources are scarce. Oh, yeah. So because resources are scarce, as a result, survivor for the fittest Mm. will fight for them. Mm. But is that the way God looks at resources? Mm -hmm. They are really that scarce? Such questions need to be asked in the world of academia.
3: Yeah, you know, and speaking earlier of of resources, uh, if I can pull up a name from the past, uh, Julian Simon, um, who was a professor at New York University, um, argued he wrote a book called the The Ultimate Resource. and of course it was about it was about people, and his argument was that natural resources without people to develop them yeah. are not are not a resource at all. no and so here here we have the ultimate resource being people in a fr- with a real free society as God has designed it that can make themselves and their neighbor wealthy and help other people if, if they'll do it. Yep. But of course, we have this idea that, well, um, let's see, natural re- these resources are scarce, so we must not use them. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but, but we yeah. use them ourselves. Well, it's right. okay for me to use them, right. but, but not you, of right. course. That's right. Yeah. There, there's a joke going around here um, in, in America. You know, the, What's the difference between a, a developer, a person who wants to build a house, and an environmentalist who wants to leave the the forest alone, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. And and the, the answer is uh, the uh, developer wants to build a house. Mm-hmm. The, the environmentalist already has a house. So oh, it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. So so you know, the, but but I mean, speaking of trees, you know what? Trees are the most renewable resource ever, right? You right. plant right. another one, right? Is, yes. is what you do. I, I I'm. As we as we were mentioning earlier, talking about these, these these resources, one thing it seems to me when you see idolatry mm-hmm. in every idol worshipping society that I've ever studied, they have a problem with natural resources. Mm-hmm. They cannot seem to find a way to use them to their advantage.
2: Yep, hmm.
3: it's an amazing thing to me. Um, William Carey, who we've discussed in the past, um, made the comment that. That a society will never become better than their own gods. Yeah. And, you, you, you know, and, and gods, it's kind yep. of funny, look at idols, they're all ugly, mm-hmm, they're yeah. all nasty, yeah. mm-hmm. and or, or almost all of them. The right. ones, the, it's funny to, to look at those things, the ones that are like even acceptable to look at are usually the weak ones. Yeah. Right. The real yeah. strong ones are real ugly, and nasty, and, yeah. de- and deadly looking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so why are we then surprised at the
2: societies that worship these are they're all ugly and nasty and deadly right yeah, yeah. it's biblical uh, we are created in the image of God and they usually want to say whichever that God is <laughs> you find yourself looking like him that's right so yes. if we believe in creator God the God of the Bible we always say God is good all the time God is good, and that's his nature. Mm-hmm. He makes things good because yes. that's his nature. Yes. And if his mind is the mind we take on, he will mm-hmm. definitely make things good in our lives, in our societies, and in our communities. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, on the African continent, the predominant worldview traditionally is the animistic worldview. And it's very fatalistic. It looks at things the opposite of what the biblical worldview will look at things. Mm-hmm. Uh, development, when you talk about development, development is always in the future. The concept of development is in the future. But when you look at most of our dialects in my own country, Uganda, 52 tribes, and if you analyze all these 52 tribes, they do not have, one, they do not have a one word for future
3: what that's amazing what
2: if i asked i do this all the time when i'm doing trainings and i ask and usually in every training i would have like maybe 20 something tribes represented or 30 and ask can somebody give me in their own dialect one word for future it's not there. They will stumble and add two words or three words together and all of that. That's amazing. And was, that is
1: one of the most interesting things I've ever heard Yeah, in and I was life. like,
2: what does that speak about our concept for future? Wow. And that we say that as a result because after analyzing, we discover that the animistic worldview always looked at life from the past. Okay. It's our ancestors. Everything has to be determined by the ancestors what the ancestors have said, the ancestors who are already dead so we don't look so much in the future so it, it it's a cycle i these key questions that are usually used to help people begin to analyze their worldview like where do we come from we come from in africa most people will say we come from our ancestors and these ancestors are not necessarily human beings but dead spirits so okay if i come from those ancestors who are already dead people why am I here? Again, it's the ancestors who are determining why I'm here. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow when you die, what will happen? Or what will happen a, mil- uh, a million years from now, a thousand years from now? Well, we will go back to the spirit world. So the cycle continues. Life is being determined by the ancestral spirits. So as a result, people do not, we do not have, we have a rare concept of, a future, a rare concept of the future of tomorrow 50 years from now that's why it becomes so hard to tell people why don't we plant trees people ask questions how shall we benefit from those trees by the time they grow up 50 years from now we'll be dead so that kind of lifestyle
1: <laughs> that, I, my, my mouth is still open from mm-hmm. from, from hearing that and, and you know what it, it, it's it's surprising, but it makes so much sense at the same time. Yep. You know, um, one of our favorite guys, Bojadar Meredoff is always talking about how unless a culture gets a good idea of the future, yes. they will never, ever be able to move beyond and 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 um, impact or uh, have an impact on the culture itself. They're yep. always going to be degrading, degrading if you don't have a concept of the mm-hmm. future. And that makes it looking at uh, Africa. That makes so much sense. Yep. That that and is you, so interesting to me.
3: It, it's it's funny. Um, people today in North America that make fun of post millennialism, the idea that the kingdom of Christ is going to expand in history, yes, and that Christ is king, and everyone in that everyone living is either a a willing subject of of that Christ or they are a rebel living in His kingdom. There's there's just no third way, yeah. <laughs> And that He's building this kingdom, and it's, it's going to conquer all, yeah. right? Folks that have a problem with that say, oh, no, no, it's getting worse and worse and this kind of stuff, you know, many of them have benefited from a futuristic worldview. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Godfrey and I were talking, I didn't clear the trees. Right. I, I didn't plant these, these fields. Yes. I didn't build the roads. Bridges, bridges are an amazing thing. I mean, you yes. think mm-hmm. about how, how people used to be um, uh, sort of limited by rivers and so forth. We're not living. We, I mean, you can't drive anywhere without going over a few bridges that, that somebody built. Right. And, and so, it, it's it's amazing to me that we have all these folks who are like, oh, you know, the, it's not getting better. There's no improvement going on. You, what, what are you kidding me? Yeah. You, you, you live in the in the midst of improvement all yeah. over the place. Yeah. Yep. And and as Godfrey and I were talking about earlier, we have that tradition here. We have the people that came before us. Mm-hmm. But the more, str- and we can go back to that, we can argue that, we can look at that. The struggle for for others, uh, Godfrey uh, uh, being from Uganda, just one case, but others as well. Yeah. They have this animistic idea, that this, this idea that, the, that what governs the future is the past. Now, that's another thing, I, it, Godfrey, you can speak to this real briefly, but people don't like the idea of God being sovereign and in control of everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I want to have free will. Yeah. Well, it seems like though when you reject God as sovereign, mm-hmm. you eventually embrace something else as sovereign. Yeah. And the case of God, we was told, well, the spirits—they're they're sovereign. Yeah. They're, they're determining everything, and we can't do anything about That's it. Yep. Am, I, am I seeing that correctly?
2: Yes. Uh, uh, kind because spirits—spirits spirits are created beings. So as a result, if you enthrone those and they become sovereign, they become your god, that means that you always be at the mercy of nature. Uganda, I'll use the example of uh, we have two seasons, planting seasons. It's an agrarian nation. Uh, The soils are fertile everywhere, and most of people depend on agriculture. But even with those three seasons in the year, there is one period of the year where there's a drought, about four months, where there's no, there's no rains, which that's how it's supposed to be. There's time for uh, seed and harvest time shall always be. Uh, seed time is the time it should be raining and then the, you should be planting. And harvest time, there should be the sun definitely to dry up the things you're going to harvest. Now, because of that, there are times when the drought can be... A long spell and it takes on for more months than usually say six months what people do we wait on the rains to come we won't grow anything we'll be at the mercy of all oh, this there's this long drought what can we do we cry out to our gods to give us rain and when the rains don't come we begin to identify somebody in the community who is Stopping the rain from coming. Mm-hmm. I know you may not understand that concept, but people know so and so is a rainmaker. They are called rainmakers. They are the ones who can control the rain to come or they stop it to come. And there are people, you find somebody can be killed or being taken out, being thrown out of the village, people claiming that he's the one who has stopped the rain from coming. So and, and it always works too because eventually it rains right eventually <laughs> after some time if it rains then they think it has worked so <laughs> there's this thing that we depend on nature in the sense that when nature has not given us permission to go forward will not go forward so ideas such as harvesting water from the rain so that in the period when the there's no rain we can use the water we harvested. To continue producing the crops and all of that. Such ideas are not there. The idea to to look at man, that man, God created him as a must to master nature, to take yes, dominion of yes. it, to take mm-hmm. charge of it. Mm-hmm. That you shouldn't be there waiting for when the rains will come. A country like Uganda, there is no reason as to why we would be facing starvation. Last year, there we had a, a long spell of drought. And People starved to death in some communities wow. in a country where we have the largest, freshest, the largest water body with fresh water. We have all these lakes surrounding us. We are within the Great Lakes region of East Africa. With these two seasons where it is raining and one season where it's not raining, we could be able to control that period when it's not raining yeah. and people can have food supplied to yes. them the entire. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. possibly even have some we can sell outside to other countries. Mm -hmm. But it's this fatalistic mindset that has enthroned nature to be sovereign instead of God, who is the creator of of it all, to be sovereign, that makes us be subject to actually creatures, to other created things, instead of us being the masters of the things which God has created. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, once again, it seems like there's only two ways. Once again, yeah. you're either going to take dominion over nature under under God,
2: mm-hmm.
3: or do, nature is going to take dominion over you. Yes. And there's just no third way here. I, I think yes.
1: the, the the testament to what you're saying a man taking dominion over over everything, especially the water, and in dry areas. I mean, the testament to that is the American lawn. You know, there is no area in the united states where people do not have lawns now i mean obviously the exceptions but like by and large if you want to have a lawn by george you can have one you know, you can, you can uh, put down the, uh, the, the sod and, and, and the soil, or whatever, and you can grow grass anywhere yep. you want. Yep. Regardless, I mean, look out Nevada, and it's all desert out there, but they got lawns out there. Yep. You know, and, 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 how, and you gotta look out, how in the world is this possible? It's, it's possible because
2: people have taken dominion over the water. Let me tell you my surprise. The first time I came to the States, uh, flew into California, growing up as a child. In my mind, I thought, and most children, this is what they would think. I think if I ever land in the United States, everywhere I will see will be concrete mm. buildings, mm. skyscrapers. They do not have any trees because the idea of a city we have is an idea where everywhere it's buildings, it's concrete. There are no trees. All the trees are cut down so that they could build. So I get in California, and I was shocked. I'm in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I see forests everywhere. Yeah. Then I see buildings, malls inside these forests, and I'm like, "How can it be?" And I'm, I hear this supposed to be a desert. It's one of the things I appreciate about this country that they are, because of that history. Yes, there has been at least that period where people have mastered nature. I walk in this country for a period of weather through four months, four weeks. And I sup- I'm surprised that I go back home when I've not stepped underground the ground, on soil. Mm-hmm. You see? Yeah. That's unheard of. I, I, back, I, one of the things we struggle with is dust everywhere. Mm. Because, again, we've not managed to control that dust. So, embracing this biblical worldview, God, when God created man and he created him in his image... Mm-hmm that's a huge idea that if we embraced it and we realized that yeah he has created us to be to be co-creators with him to take dominion of the dust yes, yes. dust shouldn't control us Absolutely. we should control it Appreciate take dominion it. of the water bodies yes. of the rain of this of the drought of all these things seasons and what have you they shouldn't be over us we should be over them and take dominion over them and education the area where we are that's where people should be taught this Mm -hmm. and if people are taught these things and they leave them out i feel the hope for the continent is in true authentic biblical best education oh man that, that that is that is music to our ears
1: now i do want to say that um, it's it's unbelievably frustrating uh, for for I mean a lot of the uh, you know we're reconstructionists and we're post millennial you know uh, big time in the reform theology mm.
2: the,
1: the problem that we that we see is those people who are into reform theology are usually into history you, okay. it's hard to be into reform theology and not be a historian because reform theology almost demands that you understand the history and you interpret it correctly yep. uh, now and not to say that there's people out there who are or who aren't reformed and are idiots you know i'm not saying that but i i what i am saying is you know being into this you look back at the history and you look at the sacrifices of the people who came before us mm-hmm. it took them hundreds of years to yeah. to to build this nation at its peak obviously now america's not at its peak but at its peak it took a lot of sacrifice a lot of you know hundreds of years it didn't happen overnight a lot of a lot of people gave their lives and gave so much to make this nation what it was. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing that reversed. And mm-hmm. the, the frustration that you see is, is how are we going to get now? we have to do all that hard work all, all over again. We have to, we have to go back and make those same side. It may be a little bit easier this time with, you know, with the technology and all that kind of stuff, but it's going to, we have to make those sacrifices again because we're unlearning the things that we learned are mm-hmm. uh, now, it's 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 frustrating because we're seeing this this wonderful thing that other people work so hard being thrown away. Yeah. Now, with your ministry, are you seeing any fruit? Are you seeing any light bulbs come on? Like, ah, oh, okay, I get it. You know, and and yep. what you guys are doing out there. Talk about that
2: a little bit. I think light bulbs is the word. Okay. Uh, truth, truth is truth, and I think it is. It's it's like there's a hunger, there's a fast back home mm-hmm. when you begin to open scriptures and such things are shared. People are like lights come on people are like wow where has this been all along mm-hmm. and that's what we are trying to do one of the things we are trying to do even myself to understand that okay this is what they call reformed theology i kind of stumbled upon it okay i back home those terms are not especially my generation people don't know them we are not familiar with we do not identify necessarily directly in such terminologies mm-hmm. but people are thirsty and hungry to hear the truth and are willing to hear it and once you open the scriptures and the scriptures are exposed to them people are willing to take on what they hear without necessarily putting in it putting it in a certain umbrella or in certain terminologies okay. so we are seeing people, definitely, the things we are sharing, many people resonating with them, mm-hmm. and they would want to write with them. Okay. Uh, three things which are mainly working on where we are seeing fruit. One is homeschooling. Yes. Uh, basing from, uh, again, scripture, we feel that education is the responsibility of the parent. Uh, much as yes we appreciate there could be parents who may may not be able to homeschool or do everything mm-hmm. but still those parents remain responsible for the education of their children they yes. can covenant with other like-minded yes. parents if it's we want to call it a school it's again it should be something parents are put together mm-hmm. they are come together and they say, okay, let's hire so-and-so, come and teach our children. But we, you are, if somebody we'd see with common values and ideologies and all of that. So homeschooling is one of the major things we are working on to okay. develop the homeschool concept in the country. Mm-hmm. So as an organization, we provide support to families who are homeschooling, uh, training them, but also provide them a platform where we can come together and Id- identify with each other. So in, we are seeing that movement growing. Uh, just in Kampala, I can tell you there are over, I think, 40 families right now who are homeschooling. And on average, I was sharing with Joel that every week, on average, I get at least two calls where somebody wants to know about homeschooling. That's The possibility and all of that. Oh, praise the Lord. So the other thing we are working on is to develop a curriculum. We want to develop a curriculum because most of the Christian curricula, which could be available back home, are American their homeschool curricula, which people have bought from here. So if the the children, if a child goes through this curriculum, they will study everything about American history, the American geography, and all of that. Mm -hmm. And we felt like, okay, the same God who has been at work in the American history, Mm -hmm. this God has been at work in Africa. And can we have a curriculum that does the research and we trace that hand of God on our own continent, all the things we have gone through, where has been the Lord's hand? And what is it that God is teaching us through this history? Mm -hmm. Because it's his story, irrespective of which part of the world we are studying it from. So we are developing a curriculum. But along with the curriculum we are developing, we want to set up a resource center where there are other things we do not have to reinvent the wheel, that we can get materials from wherever, as long as they are written from the same biblical worldview, so that families who want to homeschool, but also Christian schools, they can come and find these materials available for them. Now, Christian schools, that's another place where we are seeing people resonating with these ideas uh we have schools where we go they invite us to go and train their teachers Mm. these are schools which are founded by believers yes their heart was well-intentioned they wanted to say christian education but they didn't know any better so when they hear about this vision they're like why why don't you come and train our teachers so these are teachers who are using a government curriculum Mm -hmm. but we train them on how they can integrate biblical principles in this curriculum but they are willing if tomorrow we have materials written from a Christian perspective to take them on and maybe integrate them and maybe as we work on at some point we would love to see that Christian education is becomes one of the alternatives which I even recognized by the government that a parent can make a choice that my child will go to a Christian school or I will homeschool my child I will use this private curriculum other than the government given yes. curriculum. Mm-hmm. So in in we we are seeing people definitely resonating with their ideas, and uh, we feel that we are kind of still in the kitchen cooking. Mm-hmm. Curriculum is being developed. We are most of the things we are preparing them. We want to set up a college, uh, which would trust. We are trusting God that it could grow to become a university. In that, once we've taken our young people through this education K to twelve, which is biblically best. Again, they don't go into a university, which is taking them away from that mm-hmm. so i'd love to have a college in place okay. now we feel that once we have these things in place already prepared the market is available mm-hmm. not just in uganda but on the continent what um if people want to hear more about do you have a website or
1: yeah how can we help or for our listeners if they want to send some money or help or go to check out your ministry
2: yes we have a website uh it's uh www.mieuganda.com. MIE for Masters Institute for Education. Okay. Uganda- Okay.com. Okay. Oh, you gotta get the Uganda in there. You gotta get okay, the Uganda. in there. Okay, okay. Excellent.
1: Wow. That 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 is. I am telling you, from the found the Ugandan R, R. J Rushduni here. I'm telling you, this is the kind of stuff that he that he was saying. It's 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 wild. I've never heard an African talk like this. Yeah, earlier on, with you with the exception asked, of Peter Hammond.
2: Yes, earlier on, you had asked about how I stumbled into this. After when I got into this, beginning to yes, biblical worldview, want to see education and all of that. I started to research about Christian mm-hmm. education. Who does what? Mm-hmm. And most of the materials I would come across were curriculum from here, uh, Sunlight, Baker, whichever. Yes, but all of them, like I said, were written from the american perspective american history and in my heart there was we want to see something can we have something african yes i would tell you on the continent there is no curriculum written from the african perspective and it's christian mm-hmm. all over the continent but i came across some uh, materials from foundation of american christian education mm-hmm. and uh, what i learned from those was that instead of it wasn't a prepackaged curriculum but it was an approach Uh, a method, a methodology of scholarship that anyone could use for any subject you would want to study. And you go into scripture and you study it, you come up with these biblical principles, and then you can build your content under guarded by these biblical principles. Mm -hmm. So as I kept studying these materials, looking at some of the people they reference, it's that way that I started seeing names like Rashduni. And I was like, oh, who is this? And I would begin to... Order for the mat- for materials, and then 2014, as I was here, that's when I meet Martin Celebrity. Yes, and then uh, he graciously he had these. Uh, Thick books, about uh, four, six books that he gave me as a gift. And I went with them back home, mm. uh, the Institute of Biblical Law. And yes. we've been plowing through all of this. So ever since I started looking up people with these kinds of uh, mind and ideas. So that's how I would say basically I stumbled upon Reconstruction.
1: Um, okay, so um, just a warning to you: um, if you're trying to get support from American Christians, don't mention the name Rushdoony, because I won't give me any money. I'm just, <laughs> <joking>. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, yeah. Now, th- I think it's. Uh, I also think it's interesting what you said about when you come across these Christian schools, yeah. and you said they were started, they had the right intentions. Now, there's a frustration that we that we the Reconstructionists experience when we look at these missionaries going off into the world. Because they go off with this biblical worldview of the relationship is between me and God. And they're going off to start a school. Now, their intention is just to pretty much save souls and, and maybe do some good around the community. But they do not have a long-term view in mind unless it's time to ask money. Oh, yeah, we're going to be doing this for you know the next hundred years or whatever. But they don't have a long-term view, uh, term view of how is this going to affect every aspect of biblical life and you're you're telling us that the fruit of those missionaries that go out there they don't have a comprehensive world view they just yeah. want to start a school and hey that's all well and good but you know you can't just start a school with this temporary fatalistic negative worldview that you know the world's going to hell in a handbasket, yeah. and I, I just want to save some souls before it all goes down mm-hmm. you know and it's interesting that you you're pointing out that you know those that there is There are negative effects to that 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 are very real that you have to go in and undo because while it's good they started the school um, There's no real fruit from that school after a couple of years.
2: Yeah, uh, the problem of Africa I think should not our worry shouldn't be that We will have children who will not be Christians who will be atheists That should not be our worry. Our worry is having these many Christians who do not live out their faith, mm-hmm. and if missionaries, who I'm very grateful for, because again, myself coming to hear of this, I, I've learned it from missionaries. Yes, but we need to look beyond just having souls saved, yes. people professing to be Christians to come into our churches, and mm-hmm. we count numbers and we update our statistics that mm-hmm. now these are the many people who are believers. When, when they walk out of the churches and they are into their workplace, they don't live out their faith. Mm-hmm. That is the biggest danger we have as a continent. Because Uganda, yes, 85% Christian, but every time Transparency International lists the most corrupt nations in the world, we are not far. Mm-hmm. We rank again the highest. How do you correlate the two? Mm-hmm. Uh, a neighbor, Rwanda, in 1994, the genocide, which everybody has heard about, mm-hmm. it was seventy-five percent Christian. Mm-hmm. But it's these same Christians that butchered each other. Wow. Most of the African countries where there are wars, South Sudan right now, in our neighbor in the north, all these wars. When you look deep, they are tri- tribalistic. Mm-hmm. We look alike, but you're not. Our the animistic worldview mm-hmm. says mm-hmm. that a person who I consider to be a human being. Is somebody who is my kinsman. Yeah. If you're not my tribesmate, the animistic worldview doesn't look at you as a human being. Mm-hmm. A human being is the word for, the word for, a human being in my tribe, is the word you would translate here literally as human being. Mm-hmm. And now, a human being is the word we use is muntu, bantu, bantu literally means human beings, mm-hmm. but not everybody is bantu. In Africa, mm. some people Bantu. So the rest who are not Bantu, literally, I would be like saying you're not humans. Wow. So all huh. those things, who cannot, what can address them apart from a biblical worldview? It's on, it's the only place where we see from one man, Acts seventeen twenty six. He has made every people group on the face of the earth. Yes. One man, that's yes. Adam. Mm-hmm. So without having that understanding and, and uh, history told from that perspective, there's no way you'll convince me that I'm your brother mm-hmm. when you, yeah. I don't see that we come from one root.
1: That's right. That's right.
2: Now, all these African dialects, they have their uh, myths on who was the, their first, the first person who was created. It's not Adam. Every tribe has its own origin story. Right. Now it's only the biblical worldview that brings all of us to one origin. Yes. To one source. Mm-hmm. And if we look at it that way, then we can easily convince people that we are brothers and sisters mm-hmm. yes, all right. over
1: the world. That's all over the world. Yeah. I, I think uh, what you said there is interesting, Dad. Right before you come in with there, it looks like you want to read some scripture. Um. Our our uh, my dad's uncle, my great uncle, when he went to. Uh, ecuador right he was martyred yeah and he was he was trying to reach him and the other missionaries were trying to reach the the wow people right that's and you know what the word wow Dani means no it means the true people Mm-hmm. so that again the concept is there mm-hmm. and other all oh, it looks seems to be like ubiquitous all over in these thorough countries that my tribe's the real one and everyone else is a faker everyone yes. else is a lie You're even, I mean, yours is saying they're not even human mm-hmm. i mean i mean from from your perspective go ahead dad
3: they say yeah everybody else is a wannabe our our people are the, the real people everybody <laughs> else is a right is a uh, some kind of an, an implant yeah uh, um listen to what Godfrey's just saying here it makes me think of what paul said there on mars hill and you know, we, we have a Christian history, so what he says is like normal to us. Yeah. But this must have been radical at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking of, of, he's speaking to the Greek philosophy here. Even, even the guys we look to, Plato, Aristotle, mm-hmm. they said, hey, you know, some people are meant to rule and some people are meant to be slaves. And we have different levels, and that's just the way it's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul here coming in, this must have sounded so crazy to them. He's talking to all these hotshot philosophers here in Mars Hill that knew everything. And he says this. He says, um, and he is made from one blood. Must have been a surprise. Mm-hmm. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And and listen to what Paul goes to, to say about the commonality of, of people. And he, he's he's not making distinctions. Listen listen to his language that we're all the same here. Like I he already said, um, we're all human. He's made from one blood. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grow for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. Yeah, mm-hmm. Each one of us, mm-hmm. slave, free, whoever. Mm-hmm. This this must have been radical stuff. And listen to this. For in him, we, all yes. of us, we all do. Mm-hmm. We live and move and have it. Our being, yes. as also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Therefore, since we, we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. He's, he's, he's there attacking their idols right there. He's hitting them right, right, right between the eyes. Something shaped by art or man's devising. And here's where he really pulls us all together. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. to repent and what what are all men to, you know, all together what do we all have to do no matter where we
2: are mm-hmm. repent repent yep. repent change our mindset change our worldview
1: that's and that's what you're doing out there godfrey that's that no. that that is so encouraging to me because um, usually whenever we talk about african missions um, you know, it's, not encouraging. it's, it's, well, I mean, it's, it's encouraging on, on the surface because, you know, I see the, the, uh, the shoe boxes, you know, those go out and we see the videos and people are happy. We see all the Americans going over there and, and you know, get the blonde hair, blue eyed individual with all the little black children around them smiling and, and, and you're like, Hey, there's fruit there. Yeah. And, and that's what it looks like. But then you go over there and you see the mindset is, you know, just awful. Um, Now, I I did want to bring up one more thing. Um, We are huge into, you know, as Reconstructions, we love AHA, Abolish Human Abortion. And we want to see, by the grace of the Lord, we want to see the end of abortion in the United States in our day. We want to look upon the prosperity of the righteous. um, And and by doing that, there's no way we can possibly have abortion. Is there an abortion presence in Uganda?
2: Not as it is here. Uh, By God's grace, people, some of those things, people are still... Uh, they still hold on to some morality Mm -hmm. in the sense of abortion. Most people predominantly would consider it murder. Uh, Things like uh, homosexuality, Mm -hmm. uh, people are still considering, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. But we have a huge push from the powers that be Mm -hmm. going through our legislators, uh, uh, bribing them to pass bills Mm -hmm. that are legalizing such things mm-hmm. i mean abortion the bill it's in most of the african countries the bill is in the house in their parliaments mm. being debated back and forth they are trying to do all they can to manipulate the laws to see that these things are coming in mm. they are manipulating the media sponsoring programs where it's being discussed every now and then that all mm. oh, such and such people are dying because of uh, They call it unsafe abortion. Oh, yeah. uh, To to create a mindset that, okay, there should be something called called safe abortion and all of that. (laughs) So the pressure is there. And that's why it comes back to these people who at least still have a moral compass. They need to be, we need to help them to begin seeing a holistic view of life. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, now, this has been Godfrey Chiaze, Right. and he is uh, running a school out there in Uganda. He is working hard to change the mindset of all Ugandans, increasing uh, the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, which, bring, which brings wisdom and knowledge. Uh, please keep him in your prayers.
3: Mm-hmm. If we could hear from his um, website one more time.
1: Yeah, website. What was your website? So people can go check it out.
2: Yes, www.mieuganda. M-I-E-Uganda.com.
1: And you can go visit that and uh, support him in your prayers and perhaps even in your giving. Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology. My name is Luke Saint. We will see you next time, my friends.
0: Thanks for listening to Streetwise Theology, brought to you by the Mid-Atlantic Reformation Society and Reconstructionist Radio. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com and thinkandreform.org.